Well, I want to talk today, but uh, before we get to the scripture verse, just kind of an observation on the times in which we live, because it's kind of relevant to what I'm going to say. And maybe you've noticed this too. Is it, is it just me? And I know I'm older, not than everybody here, but I'm in the top percentile here, <laughs> that things have gotten meaner. Things have gotten, I don't know what, the, what other word to use. I mean, uh, and again, maybe it's my memory, but it seemed, you know, Andy of Mayberry wasn't that unrealistic when I was a kid. You know, and, and you maybe never saw Father Knows Best or any of those shows or uh, Leave It to Beaver or Ozzy and Harriet. But that was, that was fairly accurate. It might have been a little exaggerated, but it was fairly accurate. People were nice to each other. It was, there, was, there was kindness being shown. And it still happens. Don't misunderstand me. Just yesterday, uh, my wife, I think it was yesterday. It might have been the day before. But uh, she was driving and uh, on along where uh, Elizabeth lives and, uh, and slid, you know, all that ice and the car all of a sudden, you know, she no steering, and she just went into a snowbank and thought she would be there for the rest of her life. <laughs> but some kind people came by, one guy with a big uh, SUV of some kind and had some straps and pulled her out of there. Others dug her out, and uh, some people kind of tried to dig a path so she'd go. So there's, don't misunderstand me, there's still nice people out there. But it's, it's hard to avoid a, uh, how should I say this? Anywhere you go, you're only this far from uh, at least violent words. <laughs> you know, you could be driving, you could be, uh, you know, in your parking lot at Walmart or something and start to back out and, and, and somebody, uh, you know, is crossing behind you. And thinks you're going to hit them. Yeah, I was. I was. I wasn't further. You know, it wasn't even this close. But, <laughs> but they. You know, and they start swearing at you, and they start raising their fist at you. Or you're. It, it could be anywhere, and it's just. It's just mean out there. Um, I don't think it's always been like that. I think as we see, the, um, times, that are uh, that we live in, I think it's going to get worse. Uh, and so I want to I prepare us for that. So I, I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 4. Um, try one more time to get this here. Ah, here it is. Okay. Figured it out. I'm going to begin at verse 17. Now, this I say and testify... In the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, 
and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to be put on the new, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let every one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up and fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And our emphasis today is on that last verse. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. <clears throat> Kindness. Seems like a simple enough topic. Uh, I, Elizabeth asked me yes, yesterday what, what I was preaching on. I said, be kind to one another. She said, that seems so appropriate, she said, for the day and age. And the more you think about it, I guess it is. Uh, now, I, I am going to, uh, just want to warn you, I'm going to preach from the Bible. I'm not going to preach from uh, uh, Chase's book. <laughs> I am going to preach from the Bible. <laughs> oh, forgive me. That's just, I couldn't resist that. <laughs> but I'll sign a copy of your Bible later if you want. <laughs> oh. But it's, it is a biblical topic, but it is a current topic, too. Because if we should be leading the way in kindness, you know, you don't, some people, you know, the saying goes, you fight fire with fire. Not, that's not always true. You, you know, you, sometimes you fight fire with water. Uh, but this is a case where our conduct, our actions, should be completely opposite of the actions that we used to have, most of us, and of the actions that people without God and without Christ have. Why, why are people angry? You know, I was a counselor for a number of years, and one of the uh, things that you learn, I think I probably knew that before then, but it was an emphasis. People are, there's a several reasons why people are angry. The number one reason is because they're afraid of something. Anger is a reaction to fear. You know, you've heard of fight or flight. Well, anger is a, is a term of, of fight. And there's something that they think they're going to lose or there's something they think is not fair, but it, it brings a fear in them and their physical reaction, their mental reaction, their social reaction is to be angry. And that keeps people away. You know, it's kind of like the growling animal. Uh, you know, he, he not, does, doesn't necessarily want to fight, but he's warning you, get any closer, and, and we're, there's going to be trouble. Uh, so there's that reaction of, of the world, and I think because we've drifted further and further as a society from God, you're going to see this more and more. People are angry because 
Because they're afraid. And why wouldn't they be afraid? I'd be afraid too if I thought my life was just basically an accident, basically without design or purpose. I just happened one day. And, and, and when I die, I just won't be here anymore. Uh, that's, that's a fearful existence. You know, that's, that's, that's the reality that people live in, though. When I'm, and when I'm hurting, when I'm alone, I really am alone. Since I've been saved, I've never known that sensation of being alone. I always felt God's with me. There, there may not be many else with me <laughs> sometimes, but God is with me. And I can, I can rely on that. But people are living without God, are living without that security, without that knowledge, without that confidence. We take it for granted sometimes as Christians. Well, I'm going to begin with what needs to be let go of. And first of all, we let go of bitterness. If I was, if I was trying to uh, keep on the pattern of uh, what Chase has been preaching from his book, the, the person that I would select for this passage and for this principle of being kind would be none other than the author of this, Paul himself. Now, that, he wasn't always kind. <laughs> Don't misunderstand me. This was a guy that was killing Christians, was so enraged by their doctrine, by their blasphemy in his mind, that he, he was killing Christians. But something happened to Paul. He got saved. You could look at some of these traits, bitterness. If anybody had a reason to be bitter, it would be Paul. Think about it. The people that applauded him, that put him in positions of leadership, that placed him with the best rabbis of his day, that made him a golden boy, you know, really before he became a Christian, he was a shining star amongst the, the Jewish religious crowd. Paul, he's, he's our next leader. He's our next, you know, when you look upon him and you study his life, he was looked up to. And all of a sudden, this man was their enemy, <laughs> a deadly enemy. You know, a, a, a betrayed friend is usually the worst enemy that you have. And that was Paul. So the same men, now Paul's writing this from prison, the same men that were patting him on the back have tried to kill him a number of times, have put him in prison or brought him to the Roman officials so they would put him in prison, and eventually he'd be executed by these same people. That would make most of us bitter. <laughs> just, you know, it just might. Just might. But you never see that in Paul. Paul weeps for his enemies. Paul has the example that, you know, he's not, he just doesn't preach the word, he lives the word. He says, let all, and he's just not talking about bitterness, but all bitterness and wrath and anger and, and clamor and malice and blasphemy, all of those things. All of it. Let it all go. Don't hang on to a little bit of it. Don't, don't say, well, you know, I, I can forgive some things, but some things I can't forgive. I can let other things go, but I can't let go of this. 
You're just poisoning yourself, number one. That's, that's not going to be good for you. But number, number two, that's not what Christ did. That's not what Jesus did. And that's, that's our example. That's our, our mold, if you will. Now, bitterness means, you know what bitterness means, resentment, uh, incensed, an angry attitude of mind that uh, is directed towards someone else for something that they did or that you perceive that they did or they didn't do or you perceive that they didn't do. It doesn't even have to make sense. There are people bitter about things that never happened, but in their mind it happened, and they've let it go and they've twisted uh, you know, some stories change in your mind. You know, we think of our memories as being exact and perfect. It ain't, it's not so. <laughs> and, and I hope you realize that by now. Just last night we were at, a, we were at uh, Cielito Linda, and, and my mother had ordered uh, number 17, she said. So she got number 17 in. And it didn't have something that she thought 17 should have. And I've been to Celito Lindo enough that the owner-manager there is, is always talking to us. He comes by, he says, uh, and he says well, she didn't get her, uh, what was it she didn't get? Yeah. You know, the, the pepper, which was, would have been fine with me not to have anyhow. But, <laughs> but she didn't get that. She says, well, I ordered number 17. He says, well, 17 doesn't come with that. That's number seven. She says, no, it's 17. I remember. I, so he, he kind of smiled and went and got a menu. And, and, and she, you know, as he's getting it, he says to her, you, you want to, uh, you know, so we're, this is a wager. You're gonna, we're going to bet $1,000 or <laughs> just making fun of it. Brought the, brought the menu to it, showed her the menu. She looks at the list. Well, this isn't the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Number seven has what you wanted. Number 17 doesn't have what you want. Huh. I must, I must have read it wrong. I must have, you know, I wanted to take a recorder and record that situation, but that wasn't polite at the time. <laughs> but all I'm saying is your memory is not that reliable. People are bitter about things that never happened, let alone things that did happen. Let go of it. Let go of it. Let go of all bitterness. Let go of all unforgiveness, it says. Boy, that's, that's the most arrogant thing. You know, the, story, the parable is told in the New Testament of the, the man who owed a great debt and, and went and thought he was going to get you know, punished dearly for that. And his master took pity on him and forgave him that debt. And then later on in the story, you see that same man, somebody owes him a, a, a few dollars, and he's strangling the guy <laughs> and says, you know, you don't pay that, pay that back to me, I'm going to kill you. And it gets back to the master. What? I forgave him a fortune, and he can't forgive this man a few dollars. Well, that's, that's a picture of us <laughs> who, who are still holding on with unforgiveness. You've got to forgive. Why? Because Christ forgave us. It's as simple as that. You have to keep that in perspective. That's, that's one of the foremost things that has to always be in your mind. You, if it is, you'll always be grateful. You'll always be thankful. 
and you won't for a moment hang on to unforgiveness. I will forgive because I've been forgiven much. So I know where this guy's coming from. I've been there. I've been a debtor. I've been, I owed a penalty for sin. And that was a huge penalty. It was, a, it was my life. And yet I was forgiven because God is rich in mercy. And he doesn't want me to be anything less than rich in mercy. I'm not a prosperity teacher by any stretch. Matter of fact, most of what goes on as prosperity teaching is, is heresy at best, <laughs> you know, blasphemy at, at worst. Uh, some people use God to say, well, you know, God's going to just make me rich. God has made you rich. He forgave you. He is rich in mercy. That's the riches that you inherit. Don't worry about, you know, whether or not you have a Mercedes in your garage or whatever. Uh, God bless you if you do. But that's totally irrelevant. I often thought, you know, if you've traveled any, if you've been to other places in the world and you recognize, now there are, there are some really nice places. I've never visited those. <laughs> you know, I couldn't afford to visit those. But I visited some real, you know, Nasty, I don't say they're nasty places, they're nice places, but relatively speaking, they're impoverished. You know, people are living in huts, eating, eating roots that they, they've harvested, and that's what they eat every day. And once in a while, they get to eat this little, little fish that looks like bait to me, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's their treat. Oh, we're going to go out this weekend. What are we going to do? We're going to get some little bait, some little minnows here, and we're going to, we're going to have a feast. So, you know, the, that prosperity gospel doesn't go far in those kind of cultures. We're, we're blessed, in a sense, by our riches, but in a sense, we're cursed by those same riches. It's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because he's not grateful. He's not forgiving. He's, he's clutching on for everything he has. Let go of that. Let go of that. Uh, wrath. Oh, this is, this is where it starts bubbling up. Where you let that unforgiveness and that bitterness bubble up. Let go of it. Don't take vengeance. Vengeance belongs to God. Don't worry about, you know, I'm going to get even with him. That never works, number one. You know, there, there are countries and, and peoples and nations that have been fighting for centuries because they're waiting to get even. And it's always, you know, it's kind of like when, when uh, my kids were young and we watched Sesame Street, you know, good old Bert and Ernie, you know, and uh, Ernie's got his, his sandwich there and he cuts it in half, only one half's a little bit bigger than the other. So he says, oh, oh, wait, and Bert notices when he gives him the smaller. He says, wait, 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 Bert, that's not right. So he takes a bite of the bigger sandwich. And, and he says, well, wait, now this is smaller. Well, well, I, so he eats part of this sandwich. <laughs> and it was, it was amusing, but that's, that's what getting even is all about. You're never even in your own eyes. You're always going to be gypped. You're always going to be on the low end of that. Just let it go. Let it go. God will even out things. We're not living in the judgment day. That's when things get evened out. Don't take vengeance yourself. Because you don't know, first of all, you don't know enough to be a judge. Second of all, judgment day isn't here yet. Anger. Well, we talked about anger. Clamor. That's the, the screaming, the, the vicious language, the, 
the, the noisy violence that you see, the riots on the street. And then even it says slander, which can also be translated blasphemy. All these things are within the heart of man who is unredeemed. But if you're not careful, they can creep back into the Christian. Now, I didn't, I'm not preaching this because I'm saying, boy, you know who needs this? Where's this finger going to point now? <laughs> I'm not, uh, no, I need it, number one. Uh, no, I'm preaching this because this is what Paul says. And Paul knew about this. He, I'm sure he was tempted at times to get bitter, to get mad, to get angry. I'd get angry too if they, if they beat me and left me for dead. I'd get angry too if they stoned me three different times. I'd be angry too, you know, if uh, people that were my friends were plotting my death and my ruin. I might get a little bitter. So he, he knew what it was like to deal with these things. And what his advice is, get rid of all of it. Don't, don't try to sort through it and say, well, this, this is righteous indignation. This isn't really anger. Well, remember the first word, righteous. <laughs> Put your emphasis on that. When in doubt, let it go. And, it, and there's always that room for doubt. If you're self-aware and realize Maybe I'm not as righteous as I think I am. Maybe I'm not as, as holy as uh, some people think I am. I don't know who. Uh. <laughs> now the depth of, of Christian kindness starts on the inside. It says, be tender-hearted. Tender-hearted. That's, that's where the decisions start. If your heart, the Bible talks a lot about those that are hard of heart. And it recognizes that there, is, there are two conditions possible with the heart. It talks a lot about those that are hard of heart. And their, their actions reflect that. They don't care. They, they turn their back on, on the poor. They turn their back on the hurting. Because they don't care. And you can see that in action a lot of times. But that should not be us. We should be tender-hearted. We should err on the side of mercy, because God is rich in mercy. We should err on the side of generosity. Tender-hearted, compassionate is another word that is, that is used for this here. Uh, not because we want to come off and being, being seen as noble in this world, but because that's how God treats us. And we should be trying and allowing the Holy Spirit to do that in us, to be tenderhearted. You can't accumulate bitterness and hardness of heart if you're near to God. It, it melts away. It has to. Or you melt away. <laughs> you, know, it's, you can't stay near to God and hold on to that bitterness and hardness of heart. Then say, and we talked about forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you, not because you deserved it. I did marriage counseling many times, and uh, one of the barriers that almost always you have to hurdle is, hey, I'll forgive 
if, number one, if, if he apologizes. Or I'll forgive, uh, or I'll move on when he moves on. Or, you know, there's always this, I'll, I won't take the first step, but if he takes the first step, or she, depends who's talking, then, then I'm willing to take the second step. No, that's, no, that's, that's worldly. <laughs> that's pagan. No, you take the first step. Scripture tells us, okay, if I, if I am aware that my brother has something against me, then it's my responsibility. Well, he's got something against me, Lily. He's just got to tell me. Because I'm just going to sit here. No, it's, his, it's my responsibility. I've, you got something against me? What's, what's going on? What's happening? Did I do something to hurt you? I, you know, I, I certainly didn't mean to, but I, you know, tell me about it. Well, let's make this right. It's your responsibility if you find out your brother has something against you. Now, if you have something against your brother, that's your responsibility too. Well, you know, I, now that I realize it, I, when I was in college, uh, I had this kind of running feud with the head of security there. Uh, he was also... Uh, it was a long story, but we kept butting heads. We kept going. Well, there was one night I had this dream. But before the dream, here's what happened. I was, we had a trailer. The CBC used to have a trailer court, and we lived in a trailer. And my car was parked in the driveway of the trailer. Now, I had asked when I went through registration, because they had parking permits, I asked, hey, do I need a parking permit I mean, I never drive my car into the parking lot. I just keep it. My I just walk to class from my trailer, so my car is either in my driveway or my wife's taking it off to work. Says no, of course you don't need a sticker. Okay, good. So I wake up one morning, and there's a parking ticket on my car that's parked in my driveway, and of course it's from the head of security, and which I already had a long running feud with. So I went. I went to him. And he said, no, no, that's, you, every car is supposed to have a sticker. So I said, I asked somebody that was his superior. And so I marched over there and with him and said, it was my understanding I didn't need a sticker. He says, of course you don't need a sticker. And looking back, probably humiliated the guy <laughs> in front of his superior. But, you know, I wasn't thinking of that at the time. I wasn't quite as mature as I am now. <laughs> so... We said this feud just kept going. Then I had a dream one night, and in the dream, I, I dreamt I was I was crouching beside the car at night when the security car came up, and he came out of his he came out of his car, and he was starting to put a sticker or, or a ticket on my car, and I grabbed a piece of wood and I hit him on the head, and this is my in my dream, and I, I woke up I think. I gotta let this go. <laughs> this, this, I didn't realize this was dominating, uh, you know. And I, and I had to go to him, and we had to talk out, and we became friends, and we're friends today. But uh, you've got to deal with it. Let it go. Let it go. Find a way to let it go. Uh, there's a, there's a. Uh, if we're going to implement Christian kindness. It says, let this all be taken from you. There's a, there's a cooperation between you and the Holy Spirit. You open the door. The Holy Spirit does not make you do anything. 
does not force you to do anything. But he allows you to do anything, in a sense, and he empowers you to do the right thing. So this is what the, the word is saying. It says, let these things be taken from you. Open up. Don't, don't hide them. Don't close your heart to them and say, well, I'm going to hang on to this. No, I want this out of here. And whatever it takes to get it out of here, God help me. And he will help you. And he can, you can turn that around. You know, Christian kindness is in a way a miracle. It's, it's, a, it's a living miracle. If you actually walk in forgiveness and the people that offend you, people that have hurt you, people that have betrayed you or whatever, and you really do forgive them and treat them well, despite what they've done to you, that's a miracle. And people will see it as a miracle. People will marvel that you've told the truth, that, you've, that you have apologized for the little bit that you did. And while they're living with a lot that they did. You know, it does, it does take two to, to tangle. And, and you, you, you might not be responsible. Well, he's more responsible than I am. Not, who cares? You take responsibility for what you did. And you apologize. You move, and you forgive. And, you, and I'm not going to wait for you to apologize. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this on myself. That's a miracle. That's... that's not to do that would be hiding your light under a bushel. And if you don't do it often, if you, don't, if you just continue to refuse to do it, it's, it's letting your light be extinguished. So we're called to be light of the world. If the world's darker, we have to take some responsibility for that. Uh, I've always said that part of the reason that there aren't more Christians... I think the number one reason that there aren't more Christians is that there's too many people that say they're Christians (laughs) that have kind of inoculated people from being Christians. Well, if that's what a Christian is, why should I be a Christian? And I think that's the number one reason. The the hypocrites, you know, that are in church. And I always tell people, I don't don't want to go to church. There's too many hypocrites there. Hey, there's always room for one more. Come on. <laughs> you can, you're allowed to come. Uh, but, but seriously, those, if you think about it, how many people in America where there's churches everywhere, where the gospel is preached on, a, on the radio and on a TV and uh, maybe not as much anymore as it used to be. But nonetheless, it's available to you. It's available to you. And you've heard it. It's rare to find a person that hasn't been to church that doesn't know a Christian. What, so what happened? What, sometimes it's just the fact they, they thought they knew a Christian, but the person wasn't really a Christian. They just had some kind of nominal belief. They'd been to church a few times. You know, like the old saying, just because you park in a garage doesn't make you a car. You know, <laughs> you've been to church a few times, and, but they have no encounter with Christ. Paul had an encounter with Christ. If you haven't had that kind of encounter, I don't mean literally that you need to be knocked off your horse. (laughs) But if you haven't had that kind of encounter with Christ, then you need that. But from that point onward, he was a different man. Now on one hand, Paul was never... He addresses this to Gentiles. Because 
he was taught religion. And he was taught to be good, in a sense. You know, he didn't, he, he wasn't, now he became filled with violence and rage against Christians. But he thought that, he thought he was doing good. He wasn't, but he thought he was. And that's part of the deceitfulness of, of sin. It makes you think you're doing better than you are. But, so when he's talking about this, he knows, hey, these people were not taught any better. That's okay. You're not limited by your background, your race, your nationality, your heritage, what, whatever it is. The one thing that makes us all even is Christ. Jesus has lifted us all up, not to be a little bit better. That's one of the great misunderstandings of what Christianity is about. Well, yeah, I understand. Those guys, they, they don't smoke and, and they don't drink. And you can't really say that much anymore. But uh, they, you know, they're a little bit better in their conduct than, than we are. That's, Jesus didn't die so you would be a little bit better. He died because you were dead in your sins and your trespasses. He died because we needed resurrected. We needed to be born again. And, and now we need to live in that newness of life and walk in that truth and understanding and be kind to one another. When we use kindness, there's a couple things. First of all, that makes us vulnerable. You, you, you could be foolish being kind. You can look, be made to look foolish being kind. You can be made to look weak being kind. Why are you kind to those people? Don't you realize they're, they're making fun of you? They're mocking you? They're... That's, that's on them. <laughs> that, do, I, I, that's, that doesn't affect my responsibility to be kind. That doesn't, re, that doesn't affect my duty to reflect the goodness and graciousness of God who in my life, before I was saved, I mocked in some, in some way or fashion, if nothing else, just by my denial of who he was. But I, he still loved me. It's unconditional. Kindness needs to be unconditional. It takes courage to be kind. So I'm calling for a, a, a courageous commitment to being kind, <laughs> to just turning the other cheek, not, not because you're weak, but because that's what Jesus did. And because that's what he did for us. I'm calling for toning down the clamor and anger and wrath of this world. You can't think in that environment. When I was a counselor, I tell people, you know, you have to, we have two parts of the brain. You know, you have, you have this part in front that thinks and you have this part in the back that, that feels. <laughs> and and you're, you're trying to reason with the wrong part of your brain. You're full of anger. You're full of, you know, and you're not thinking. You can't think. That part of your brain's turned off right now. You know, there's, it's like a switch. You can only use one of those sides at a time. Calm down. <laughs> Be the voice of, of reason. Be the voice of... Of love, because love in the end conquers all. We'll never win the world without kindness.
the kind of kindness that actually changes people, that produces great relationships, has something different than what the world offers. The kind of, Bi- the kind of kindness that the Bible talks about is radical kindness. It's self-sacrificial kindness. It's a kindness that when people receive it, it doesn't make sense to them. It's the kind of kindness in which people experience a taste of the divine, of something not of this world. And we, as instruments of God, give up our identity and reveal Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen.